Welcome back to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. And each week we cover a new topic and we crack open a new bottle of vino. Yes, we do. And today I'm super excited because we're talking about peace in the now, how to embrace the highs and the lows in life with our amazing guest. I love her so much. Morgan Harper Nichols. Yes, she's a poet and an author. And we're going to be talking uh, with her today about the importance of reframing the low points in our lives, how to embrace the unknown and rest in uncertainty, and how we can foster optimism in the wake of disappointment. I'm so excited to talk to her. I Well, I've been doing her podcast has this series called You Can Live a Beautiful Life and I've been doing it and I her voice is so soothing. Yeah. It really makes my whole day. And some of her little podcasts are like seven minutes long. Yeah, they're super quick. It's just, it's, just, it's a warm blanket. Yeah. You know? So I'm very excited. Can't wait. But first, let's uh, let's cozy up with this wine yes. we got. We Nat- have, yeah, we've got a 2018 Santa Lucia. I'm going to say it's Lucia. L-U-C-I-A. Lucia. I think it's Lucia. Santa Lucia. I think it's Lucia. Lucia. I trust you. Your pronunciation is way better than mine. I'm going to have to fact check this later. I think it's Santa Lucia Highlands, if not Lucia. And so, you know, and it is from, give me a second. Oh, Soledad. Okay, so it's like a, it's like mid-California. Okay. It's a California coast Pinot. We love a Pinot. And we love a Pinot here. All right, let's take a step. Hmm. I like. Oh, well, I'm not gonna say anything yet. Whoa, whoa sorry. Natalie. I really got ahead of myself. Let's wait to the end of the episode, and we will review <sighs> it at the end as we always do. Yes. Well, speaking about California. Okay. And just California is such a huge state. Right. And the other day, I was realizing I was like, I don't think LA has like very specific slang unless they do, and I don't know. Like the Bay Area, we have words that are like yarramin. You, you know, know what, what I mean? mean? Yeah. yeah. No, but you say yara, like, or you shorten it to yara. What? Yeah. Like we have all kinds of words. Well, I would, I would say as a native Los Angelino, yeah. um, that we don't fully have that. I mean, we have like references, I yeah. think that are more qu- colloquial. Colloquial. Wheel? Yeah. Wheel. Yeah. Why that sounds so weird? Yeah, that are like references to certain areas, but we don't have like words. I will say the only word I use, which I'm sure is just a California thing, that I've had a many people who are not from California get bumped by is I say dude all the time. And like, oh, yeah, I'm always dude. like, dude, 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 dude. And Joe is always like, do not call me dude. And I'm like, first of all, you're from Florida, so don't even get they me don't say started. Dude anywhere. But yeah, I've had that before. And actually, in a many relationships I've been in, the guys I've, who are not from Los Angeles are like, why are you calling me dude? And I'm like, I don't know. Dude, dude come on. <laughs> Get with the program. Yeah. So that's a very California. Yeah, because I was like, I feel like there's not a ton of like LA. Very, I mean, you know, the Bay, hella, obviously. Yeah, we don't say hella. Yeah, or we've got, we have weird. But then I was looking up a list because I was like, what? what are some words that maybe I don't even realize are specific to the bay but they might be Mm -hmm. tell me what you think because i don't think this is true unless i just don't know but apparently swoop is i've never said swoop really unless maybe swoop me or i'm gonna swoop you at 12 oh no we say scoop 
come scoop me up. Oh, no, we say swoop. Oh, you do you not say scoop? Never said scoop. Oh, okay. So that, that must be a thing. Because for sure, like, oh, they're oh. going to come scoop me up. Oh, see, we say, hey, you want to swoop me at like 12? Or I'll come swoop you. I would only say swoop if I was like dunking on someone. Like, swoop! <laughs> Dunk. <laughs> I've never dunked on anyone, but that seems but like what I would in use In the event it. that you did, <laughs> I would, would maybe say, say swoop. swoop. Okay, what about I'm trying to dip? Um, y- y- I didn't say that, but I've heard it. Is that only a Dip Bay out. Area? Like, I'm going to dip like out. Like, I'm going to dip. Yeah, yeah. I and apparently, say- trina is a Bay Area thing. And I was like, what? Uh, I don't know. I thought it was a black people thing. I'm trying to dip. Now, but you know, what I'm really curious is our listeners listening not in California. Yeah. They're like, what? They're like, what are you saying? Because I wonder how much is also just shared California slang. Like, Heisey, trying to. That's yeah, Bay Area. Mm, that kind of came down here, but not. Yeah. It didn't stick. I think you guys definitely have your own language in LA. You know, LA, we're also like it's a smorgas a smorgasbord. What ha, what is the word? It's a it's a melting pot here. Yeah, and also like we don't have like a big city identity. Like we never rallied around our sports teams. We were always like right. eh, only when they're good. Like, to be honest, <laughs> I didn't even realize that last year the Lakers and the Dodgers both won and the Kings the World Championship. No, no, and and the and the Kings won. I think they won the Stanley Cup. Or maybe it was the year before they might have. I have no idea. I'm like, the Lakers and the Do- When? Mm-hmm. Dodger Stadium has been a freaking vaccination Yeah, we don't really what? roll like that in LA. I have no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. So, hey, go us, I guess. But Go us, but we also have, like, no city identity at but, all. Yeah, tell us if you're not from California. First of all, does do we sound like we're actually Are we speaking insane? English to you? <laughs> Second of all, do you have any regional... Terms. Terms that like people don't say anywhere else. I'm curious. I'd be so curious. Huh. I wish I could read a list of LA terms. Yeah. Like now I know swoop is a Bay Area thing. I didn't know you didn't say scoop. Never, I say scoop. never said say scoop. scoop. Very fascinating. Very interesting. So yeah, let us know. When you go to pick somebody up, what do you say? <laughs> let us know. Shoot us an email. All right. Well, okay. Let's bring on our amazing, amazing guest and let's intro her too. So Morgan... Harper Nichols is an artist, a poet, a singer-songwriter, and musician whose work is inspired by real-life interactions and stories. It was on the road for her music that cultivated her curiosity and passion for writing, art, and design, and slowly became to share her work online, where she has grown her audience of millions of people. Mm -hmm. And in 2017, she started a project where she invited people to submit their stories to her website. And from there, she created art as a response to their stories and sends it to them before sharing the work publicly. And as an artist, Morgan has collaborated with a wide range of brands, including Coach, Adobe, Vogue, Aerie, and more. And as a designer and author, her work is available in many stores, including Anthropology, Barnes and Noble, Target. Everybody loves Target. We all love Target. Target. Her book of poetry and art, All Along You Were Blooming, is available everywhere books are sold. And she will be releasing her next book, How Far You've Come, next I week. See. I'm so excited for her I book. Can't. I'm also so excited to meet her. I, well, I mean, the two of us, we've been in literal tears for several days, just like reading her, reading her work, diving into it. So we're so excited. Yeah. Let's bring her on. Let's bring her on. Hello, Morgan. We are so excited to have you on the podcast. 
Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I really am. (laughs) I will tell you that I've actually been doing your five-day series that you can live a beautiful life series. I'm on- Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. I'm a few days behind. So I'm like on day three, I think. And I absolutely love it. I just listened to the day where you go back on your comments and comment on an old comment. And- I just want to say, like, first of all, your voice is yes. so soothing. Oh. I, I, we were actually the other day we were having kind of a bad day, and we we're like, we should listen to a, a Morgan Harper Nichols podcast. Oh and I my said, god! I said her, I <laughs> the Hope one, and I was like, I'm crying. Oh, wow. <laughs> so point is, we. I think that you should um, also do a series on like bedtime stories or something because I could just be lulled into you have such a comforting voice Um, well thank you (laughs) just to gas you up oh my gosh well that yeah that definitely like gave me all the encouragement I almost didn't even do that series because I was like I think these are just weird Morgan things I don't think anybody's gonna care and you all know doing a podcast, it's hard when you're, it's like, you don't know what the feedback's going to be because you're not getting it in real time. Like yeah. you would on an Instagram live or whatever. So it's just, you know, you're just kind of just talking to yourself and <laughs> by like day three. I'm like, why did I do this? Like I've, but I've already committed. So <laughs> it means so much that on the other end of the internet, someone connected with it. So that means so much that you connected with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's your whole point, right? And that episode is about connection with people. And I, I do think it, it shows when you feel passionately about something, even if it's like, you know, your thing that you do when you speak on it so passionately, it resonates with people. And mm, that's what, so right. what you connect with. So um, we love you. We're really excited to have you on. And you are clearly a multi-hyphenate. You (laughs) you do so much. You're an artist, you're a poet, you're a singer-songwriter. And I'm curious, when did you begin to develop that creative side of yourself? And in what ways did it help you growing up? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, well, two things. One, I've I've always just been a very I was a very imaginative kid. I love to write stories, I love to draw. And I think honestly the second thing and it's the biggest thing is that I had parents who were really my cheerleaders. Oh, that's so great. I think that is, you know, the more I talk to people, not everyone has that, you know. Yeah. Some people are literally told as kids, like, you're not an artist. You can't, you know, you can't draw or whatever. And that, you know, that those things have a lasting impact and they can take a long time to unlearn Mm -hmm. those things. So fortunately at home, at least I had people who were like, you can do it. You can make things, you can make art. So yeah, my parents, and the thing was, is they didn't have a lot of money. I mean, my parents would take us to the dollar store and we, that's where we would get our art supplies. So it was very hands-on when I learned how to play guitar as a teenager, I was using a borrowed guitar. I didn't have my own guitar to like two years in. So it was very like DIY. <laughs> um, it's like be creative, but we don't have any money. So you got to be creative about how you're going to be creative. Right. You got to yeah. figure it out. Yeah. So um, yeah, that was, that was a huge part of my story. And, but I, I didn't really consider doing something creative as not even just a profession, but just in a public sense Yeah. until, I mean, my mom kind of suggested, she's like, you should sing songs for people. And I'm like, that sounds terrifying, <laughs> but it was really hard because I did love to make, uh, make 
things, but because I grew up in a time where, I mean, the internet was happening, but not like it is now. Yeah. <laughs> there were there weren't many options for making things that didn't involve like playing shows or kind right. of going out. So no social really media. From, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so really from age, honestly, from age 15 to around 25 for 10 years, I just did a variety of a lot of different things of just everything from like playing shows to playing, I mean, playing in coffee shops. Like I went through a photography phase. I shot a couple of weddings. Like it was, you're <laughs> just doing everything. You could. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I want to do something creative in some way. I just don't know what that's going to look like. So yeah, that's kind of, kind of the story. I've kind of always been that way. <laughs> I've well, just tried to find a way to be an artist, be creative. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it obviously has paid off. I mean, here you are, right? Yeah. And so I was curious, um, you know, we read that you were at one point a college admissions counselor. And I think that sometimes when you're an artist, there's sort of this in-between where you're like, do I go for it full time? Or yeah. do I, I mean, I'm an artist as well. And there was at one point I had three jobs. And mm -hmm. I was like, at some point, do I just do I go for it? You know, it's oh, really yeah. scary. So yeah. when did you decide to take that leap? I mean, you talk about courage a lot too in your mm -hmm. work. And I know that that must have taken a lot of courage to yeah. go for it. <laughs> you are so right. And honestly, though, it, it did not feel like courage at the time. I feel like <laughs> it felt just like chaos, very <laughs> unorganized. I felt like I was all over the place. It's so it's so interesting now looking back on my life a few years ago, I'm like, oh, I can see how this led to this. But back At the then, time you, don't you know, know, in real yeah. time, you're not going to see it that way. <laughs> so I was working as an admission counselor and I was really content with my job. I, I actually I got the job right out of college, which that doesn't happen all the no, time. Yeah. <laughs> a job right out of college. I still have friends that are looking for jobs out of college. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. So. I was very happy, very grateful to have that job. However, the position was moving to a different part of the state and mm. I could not afford to go with it because I had actually just gotten married and we just bought a house. Oh yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah. It was just kind of a challenge. So long story short, I actually ended up, I have a younger sister who now we're very similar in the way that we're both very artistic, creative in a lot of different ways. Uh, however, she's way more of a go-getter than me. <laughs> so she's two years younger. And when I was still trying to figure out if I was comfortable performing in front of people, she was already on tour. She was already a YouTuber. Um, so, <laughs> and she signed a record deal. So I actually ended wow. up traveling with my sister for oh, years. So awesome. from around 2012-ish. And then my husband ended up coming too, and he became our tour manager. And so from around 2011, 2012, I'm losing track of the years, but... And yeah, then I don't even know into, what year it is right and now. And then it started <laughs> to kind of fizzle out in 2016 because it's just music, like a lot of entertainment industries, it's very hard. It's, it's hard for it to be financially stable. I mean, sustainable. Mm -hmm. That was the roadblock that I hit. And honestly, that is what made me really have to try to figure out, well, what am I supposed to be doing? Mm -hmm. 
And honestly, I felt like I had reached the end of the creative road. I, at that mm. point, I was like, I think I've tried everything. Okay, <laughs> I'm done. I And that was terrifying because I didn't have a lot of other skills. I mean, I didn't have some like secret MBA that I never used. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have, I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like I barely, my resume is just like creative freelancing stuff. Like no one, no one um, needs us. I actually remember applying for one job and... <laughs> <laughs> they, I've never told the story before, but I think it's funny. <laughs> they like responded with this long email about like how I was not qualified for the position. My oh my gosh, gosh. why I did they feel the need to go in detail? They're like, yeah, because you did this, but you, I'm like, y'all think you didn't have to respond. You can just say no. You do don't tell me why. You could have just, yeah, do less exactly. Like, honestly, I would have been better if y'all just ignored it and act like you never saw my Just email. ghost me, please. It was so funny. And it's funny too. Actually, like... I don't know why. <laughs> One day, like like a year and a half ago, I actually went back and found the email and I was not exaggerating. They really did like lay it out why it's <laughs> not qualified. And then they even said like, Kelly went with someone who had this qualification. I was like, they oh guys, my God. Like, I didn't need all that. They were just trying to dunk on you. Jeez. <laughs> I was like, is this normal? I don't know why you did that. So anyway, yeah, needless to say, it's a little rough um, <laughs> feeling unqualified and unsure what to do. So I actually, it's just so wild how it works. I just sort of ended, I ended up writing a poem about all of those frustrations that I was having. And I didn't explicitly talk about any of those things, but the poem was about it says, when you start to feel like things should have been better this year, remember the mountains and valleys that brought you here. And the poem ends about talking about being wrapped in endless, boundless grace, and there is more to you than yesterday. Yeah, when you look at that poem, you don't see any of my what I was actually going through, but that's what I was feeling. And I ended up sharing it on Pinterest. And then it was shortly after that. That was in November of 2016 when I shared it on Pinterest. And then in January of 2017 is when I discovered that it had been repinned over 100,000 times. Yeah, that's your poem. That's for, <laughs> for the highs and lows, right? Um, it's actually... What is, I think it's, I think that's a, that's a different one, okay. but they look very, they, they're very similar. <laughs> I mean, they're practically like the same poem, but just different <laughs> words. Yeah. So this one is called, I guess it's technically called There's More to You Than Yesterday, but there are some overlapping themes there with the mountains and valleys. Um, yeah. That's what I, yeah. I remember. And, and, but that was the poem that really kind of set everything off for the highs and lows. And when we were looking through all your work, I mean, even now as you're talking, like you're so introspective and, but also I feel like when I get introspective, I get like depressed, mm. but you seem to be introspective and yet optimistic, very therapeutic, yeah, very therapeutic outlook on life. And I'm, I'm curious, like how you had that like in that time when you got that email where they were like, hey, this is, uh, you didn't get the job. And also here's yeah. also why you didn't get the job. Here's why. <laughs> yeah, like how you could take that and like internalize it and then also have a great perspective on it. Like where did you get that, mm. that, that outlook on life? Hmm. Honestly, I think, so I wrote that poem um, in my journal and I think it was all the pages leading up to it. Because all the pages leading up to it was just me lamenting and talking about the struggle. And honestly, I'm actually naturally like you. That's what I naturally do. I just kind of go inward and I just kind of hang out there for a little while. Yeah. Um, 
And what I found, and, and this is, I mean, I, I did also deal with depression when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And what I found was that for whatever reason, when I was literally moving my hand, even if I'm just scribbling on a page, that unlocks something for me like nothing else. So I have like, <laughs> I have like boxes still worth of notebooks where, I mean, most of the pages are just gibberish and nonsense. <laughs> So yeah, I think that the the beauty, the joy, the hope, it comes from the struggle. It comes mm-hmm. from allowing myself to really just kind of scribble it out and <laughs> and com- and complain or vent or whatever it is. And I, I have and it's interesting because no one would ever know, but there's several pieces of mine that are out there in the world where there's a whole layer behind that that pink mm-hmm. or that yellow mm-hmm. where I was just writing things that I was frustrated about or I was just <laughs> scratching through ideas and I'll just leave it there and then I'll paint over it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a way I, I feel like for me at least, I I don't consider myself to be a naturally positive person. <laughs> However, I do think that there does come a point where if you're not a natural person who just naturally kind of like looks for the good and everything, you can, if you can give yourself permission to really say what you feel, no matter how cynical you think Mm. it is or whatever, if you can just give, even if it's just in your journal, like you don't have to like tell everyone or or to a therapist. Like if you can just allow yourself to really get out what you actually want to say, like (laughs) you're uncensored, like what you actually want to say, I think on the other side of it, like you'll see like okay now I can take a deep breath and it's yeah. like and it's also maybe not as just... dark as you thought it was like sometimes it mm-hmm. when it's inside it stay it becomes this bigger thing where what if you yes. let it out it's like oh that okay that wasn't that big scary monster it's yeah. just a little a little monster and I can yeah. deal with that monster <laughs> yeah that and is so true you even took I know what one of your initial projects was taking other people's little monsters and then turning that into anonymous work so much of your work is based on empathy and, you know, you've gone through the struggles and, and you're seeing other people's struggles and kind of transmuting that into art. Did you always know that empathy was going to be this kind of overarching theme, this, this North star for you? Mm, that's such a good question. No, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I, I am a person who just, I always wanted to connect with people more than I felt like I actually could. Mm -hmm. So I had like several moments in college, especially where I would think I was one of the best friends, but then I found out like I was, I'm like one of the outer layer friends. Like I thought (laughs) I was, I thought I was like in the inside group. And I would just have so many moments like that where it was just like, what am I doing wrong? Like, Mm -hmm. why can't I seem to connect with people in the way that I feel like I should be able to? So a lot of my my work was driven around just seeking connection with other people in high school and and, and in college, too. But it was really, really prevalent in high school. I was into this forum. It was called Young Writers Society. And like we would just like write poems and <laughs> and sometimes like they're like usually they were like a lot of times like fantasy poems and it was just it was like a like an internet forum like I didn't I never met any of these people it was so weird to think about now it's like 
yeah, we didn't even see like avatars or we couldn't follow each yeah, other. Like just, it's such a, a such a different name. time. Like Zanga. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is like Zanga era. <laughs> so um, for me though, that gave me a thread of like, okay, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not able to connect with people in real life in the way that I feel like I should. But there, I do believe that there are people out there somewhere <laughs> yeah. who are my people. So yeah, I, I think all of my many creative endeavors, the ones that failed and the ones that succeeded were all kind of motivated by that of just like, I don't want to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to be like, okay, I get it. Like the kids I go to church with or the kids I go to school with may not be into this stuff, but there's got to be somebody out there who I can connect with. So, you know, that's what I love about social media. And honestly, I think that's what was a kind of a thread in leading to the project where I responded to people's emails with art, was mm. just, wow, you took the time to share your story with me. Like, yeah, I now they're connecting you. with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just giving, giving me an opportunity to, to be able to connect with other people who've dealt with similar things. Like I did an Instagram story poll a few months ago and I asked how many people struggled with making friends, like at any point in your life, whether it was mm. elementary school, college or whatever. And I think the answer was like 70%. Wow. And I was just like, okay, yeah, these are my people. This checks <laughs> out. Yeah. Like, we've all like 70% of us, that's not a small number that have dealt with this. Well, a hundred percent between the three of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly too. And I, I was thinking, I was like, I kind of want to message that 30%. And I'm like, what is that like? Yeah. yeah no, wait. <laughs> cannot relate. Find friends. Like, tell me, like, how, how are you doing this? Like, I was like, I'm like, are they like just really extroverted? And they have a lot of friends or are they like, oh, I just don't need any friends. I was oh like, yeah. I it's either know. one of the two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was very intrigued by the 30%, but yeah, it's, it's just been amazing to me that that's considered that to be, I feel like the, the internet helped me <laughs> grow in empathy in, the, in a way of being able to read other people's stories because it gave me time to, to sit with the stories and just be present to them. Whereas, you know, when you're face to face, it's, it's just a different interaction. You know, if you're, yeah. if someone's telling your story face to face, you're like, okay, let me focus. Like, don't blink too much or like, <laughs> and yeah, like, you have like to don't respond. nod your head too much, but oh, you should. <laughs> To respond right there. All these little things that <laughs> I have to worry about in person, you know, when I'm able to read, I'm just able to sit there and pace myself through it. And, um, and, um, yeah, I, I love being able to do that. And I, and I still do that. I, I actually realized I was like, I haven't advertised it in a while. <laughs> um, partially because I have so many messages I haven't gotten back to. And I always feel bad about that. Every time I post about it, I was like, oh, the people who who <laughs> submitted that I haven't gotten back to, they're probably like, why haven't you gotten back to me? <laughs> and you're posting about it again. So, but yeah, it's still a, a part of what I do. I, I love the the one-on-one. And I think that one-on-one in general really does help cultivate empathy for sure. Mm. Yeah, I 100%. totally agree. And I will say that the work that you do, you know, even your own work, it really does generate so much connection. And, and we had so much fun and emotion going through your work on literal tears, tears on, Pinterest oh. on, scrolling, on like. Instagram, like what you, what you have to give really resonates with so many people. That's why you have such a huge following. And we were thinking of like, 
what we wanted to talk to you about. And we were just going through your page and we were like, oh my God, well, there's this quote and we love this Mm. quote and we love this quote. And so we kind of wanted to tell you some of our favorite quotes of yours that we really liked and then kind of ask a question based off that if that sounds good to you i love that no one's (laughs) ever done that before this is so cool we we loved it so much we didn't even know we we, we were like we have to ask about this i Um, love that (laughs) so to start one that i really liked um one of your poems says you can still know peace without knowing what's next Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me. And especially right now, I feel like I'm in this phase where I'm like, you know, I'm I'm 27. I'm like, what what is next? You know, what is that next chapter? And I was curious how how do you think we can rest in uncertainty and kind of embrace this unknown when, you know, it, it can be anxiety inducing at times. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that one I repeat to myself a lot. <laughs> I think because for the longest time, I, I'm i always like thinking about what's ahead. I have a lot of anxiety and I, I'm always like, okay, what's like, what if this happens or what if this happens that way and all of those different things. And when I started to look back over my life, I was like, how have I made it through these different anxious scenarios that I've had in my life, whether they were big or small? And one thing I started to think about, I was like, oh, the one thing in common is that I was just taking, I I was breathing through all of those Mm. moments. I was literally inhaling and exhaling. Sorry. (laughs) Even when I felt like I couldn't um, move forward, even even when I was still stressed, even when there was fear, legitimate fear, what brought me through that was somehow I still managed to keep breathing. Mm. So for me, I personally just took kind of just take poetic justice and I associate peace with breathing. (laughs) So oftentimes like, I'm like, okay, what can I do in this moment? I can breathe. And what I found is that taking that time to breathe, it does bring a sense of peace, even if it's just for a moment. So that's how I've started to think about peace in my life. And then another example that I use is peace as a river. So there's like, Mm -hmm an old hymn that I grew up listening to that says, when peace like a river attendeth my soul. And that just stays with me of just thinking of peace as this flow of water through the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, if you were traveling through the wilderness, you could still find a river and enjoy it and rest by it. Even if you didn't know what was ahead on the journey, how I am constantly practicing and trying to think about peace. So yeah. yeah. Wow. And the breath is, it's really, truly such a big element of it. Just being able to catch your breath. And so many times when Mm -hmm. we're anxious, I think Mm -hmm. you, you hold your breath, you know, so to really reconnect with it is, is so important. And also reframing Mm -hmm. what peace is. Cause sometimes Mm -hmm. I picture peace is like, I am floating through my house and I'm I'm wearing a dress and it's (laughs) like, yeah. If you Google, if you Google peace definition, I, I love the Oxford languages dictionary, but the definition says freedom from disturbance, which is just like, that's so declarative. I'm just like, what do you mean? (laughs) Freedom from disturbance. Like, 
have you seen the year 2020 and all that has followed? Like there's no such thing. Yeah. So yeah, it. I, I love how you said reframing. That's super important. I, and I, that's what I love about art is that it gives you the opportunity to like, eh, I'm going to change that definition. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You can't do that anywhere else. So <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say one of my quotes that I really, really loved, which was, I will have gratitude for the little things even while I wait for the big things to fall in place. Mm. And, you know, we, especially as we often find ourselves feeling like we're in this period of transition and we're, we're going from one thing to the next big thing. So I'm curious, does gratitude play a large role in your life? Like, do you have a daily practice for it, even for small things and for big things that help you kind of calmly settle into those spaces of waiting? Yeah. I will say that I am not that practiced. I should <laughs> like <laughs> I should have one. I've tried. But I will say that for me, gratitude does really look like, I don't know. I find a lot of gratitude in looking back. So here's the thing. I spend a lot of time looking back. <laughs> I don't know why my mind is like, I'll just be sitting here doing some mundane task. I'm like, oh, remember when you said that silly thing 10 years ago? Like, why would you say that? Like, that's where my brain kind of goes. So one thing I have, and, and I guess this is a practice, maybe I just haven't given it that name. But one thing that I do with my writing is, is I, I'll, I'll like, like if I'm writing about being in the forest, or if I'm writing about being in a river, being by a river or something, I, I'm thinking about a time when I was actually in that setting. So I'll kind of go through all of the senses of what did it sound like? What did it smell like? And even if I don't incorporate that into what I'm actually saying, that's just a way of kind of bringing me back to that moment. So I end up doing that at least once a day. (laughs) I end up thinking back to some place where I've been that was just such a special moment to me. And and it's weird. I don't know. For some reason, it feels more natural to have gratitude for the, oops, sorry, (laughs) to have gratitude for moments past a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And, um, because you can also kind of see how it brought you to now. Yeah. Because it's, I I do think that I may sometimes like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's just true. Like (laughs) I sometimes, like if I'm like, okay, I'm going to write down five things I'm grateful for. I I, I get a little bored, especially (laughs) considering like, every day looks the same for me now. Like I'm always in this room or the other room in my house. And I'm like, okay, I'm grateful for this lamp. I'm grateful for my my job. Uh I was like, okay, yes, yes, yes. That's so relatable. It's like you say every day, I'm like walking. I'm like, I'm grateful for my dog. And I'm like, again, (laughs) again. And it's like, we are, but I kind of think that sometimes we need that space, that distance Mm -hmm. to really have like that deeply rooted gratitude, if Mm. that makes sense. Like there's an example is like, I did not appreciate my childhood backyard until I moved to LA and I had no backyard. Yeah, (laughs) And it was then I was like, that was a really nice backyard. I was like, (laughs) we had a hammock. We used to just be able to like go on the back porch and like see no people. It was just trees. I I grew up in Georgia and we had like this, it was a big yard. But back then, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, acres and acres and acres. But when I, if I were a grown up buying that house today, I'd be like, whoa, this is a massive backyard. So yeah, I think about that a, a lot. It's, there's several things like that. I feel like in my childhood, 
And in my early years, I'm just now starting to be really grateful for. So I think that's just a way to think about gratitude without that pressure of like, okay, I got to be grateful for this moment and every little thing. And, and just recognize that this moment right now, you're going to look back on this moment with gratitude. Like there's going to be someday in the future where you have more than more of something than what you Mm -hmm. have now. You're going to look back and say, oh, wow, I'm really grateful for that apartment or that book or that whatever it was. Yeah. That's just kind of how I think about it. Yeah. And you actually, you also kind of a little bit do that in the series. Like, oh, yeah, you're so right. Yes. Yeah, you, yeah, you, it's, it's also in the, the series, which I, I am loving doing. Okay, I'm going to do one more quote, and then I really want to talk about your book. But just mm. one thing that really, really I resonated with, and, and maybe it's just with where I'm at in life, but I am making the brave decision to keep going anyway. And I feel like I've been dealing with a lot of like how to stay motivated in the wake of disappointment and mm. how to how to keep going and stay passionate when things are seemingly going wrong. And I'm just curious if you have, I mean, obviously you have a perspective on it, but how you've kept going despite disappointment or, um, you know, a a missed opportunity or or whatever. Mm. Yeah, that's such a good thought. I think a lot of it for me has been just really, I I try not to make every answer about going back, but for me, that really is a major theme in my life because I'm someone who (laughs) deals with anxiety, like looking ahead, that doesn't work. Um, (laughs) I I just get, I get too creative and creative in the wrong way. And I'm like, Oh, what's the point? I mean, all these things could happen. (laughs) Yeah. So And then the present moment, like it's kind of hard to zoom out of the present moment and see it for what it is. So Mm -hmm. what option am I left with looking back? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I have to like whenever I'm in that place of like, wow, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. I have to remember like other moments in my life where I felt that way Mm -hmm. and how I made it through. And a lot of it was just messy, clumsy, unorganized day to day, (laughs) just fighting through it, finding little bits of motivation to carry on. And then I will say the second part of it is in the present moment is I need a lot of motivation. I am not self-motivated. I listen to podcasts, (laughs) audiobooks all day long, music, I mean, I literally this morning, I kid y'all not, I had <laughs> I had a project that I just totally forgot about. And I was just like, oh, I have to do this today and I don't feel like it. And I was just like, you know what I need right now? <laughs> Lady Gaga, for whatever reason. Yes. I just like went way back in her discography. <laughs> Songs I haven't listened to in years. But I was just like, I don't know. I just <laughs> need something yes. upbeat, but also that I don't have to like, focus on it because I already know the song. Yes. I need all of that. I'm like, I need the candles. I need the sunlight. I need all of those things. So yeah, that's how I keep going. And even thinking about that, that poem that you mentioned, I remember the person I wrote it for. That's what I was trying to encourage them to do. It was just what they were faced with was, it was a really big mountain. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, I just want you to find small moments of motivation and keep going. Like, yeah, I, you don't have to find like the thing that's going to carry you over the mountain. Like, let's just find like, what's going to carry you the next step. 
And then the next step and then the next step. And I like to think of those steps as like, okay, maybe one step was turning on the song. The next step is lighting the candle. (laughs) The next step is turning on a podcast. The next step is binge watching a a show that you like, like whatever (laughs) it is. Those small steps are are huge in the in the process of figuring out how we're going to keep going. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. And also taking it moment by moment and not thinking so long term, like, how do I get to the goal? Like, how do I just get to this next moment? And Mm -hmm. um, I love that. Okay, so I really want to talk about your new book, How Far You Have Come, which comes out on April 27th. And it's a reflection of moments that shaped you and it invites us to reclaim moments of brokenness, division, and pain and turn them into experiences of recollection, uh, recollection, unity, and hope. So I'm really excited for it. Obviously, we love everything that- We're like, we're going to get a copy for everybody we know, like an Oprah thing. Like, you get a copy. You get a copy. Yeah, we're so, we're so, so excited about it. What do you hope that your readers gain from your new book? Oh, thank you. I'm so excited for it to be out in the world. So the cover of the book is a photo that I took on my iPhone back in like 2014, I think. And I love this photo for so many reasons. Number one, I just, it was taken in New Mexico at sunrise, leaving Albuquerque. And I just feel like the colors are amazing. I have, as an artist, I've pulled so many color palettes from this photo. And the other thing I love about it is that anybody could have taken this photo. Like it was taken on a phone. It was just a beautiful moment. Any, literally anyone could have taken this photo because it was just all laid out so perfectly. And then what I love about it is that, and this is what inspired the book (laughs) was that when I look back on that photo, I'm like, this is so beautiful. And I was also going through a really difficult time when I took that photo and I just became interested in this concept of, of what does it mean to look at our story and, and see two things at once? Mm. It's like, we may see the struggle that we were going through the valley that we were in, or, you know, the really difficult thing we were faced with. And at the same time, we see, we can look at the literal landscape that we were on, were we in the plains of Texas? Were we in the, the, the cityscape in New York City? Like, where were you? What was the actual landscape that you were on? And what lessons were there in the actual landscape? Mm. So that's how I wrote the whole book. I stop at eight different landscapes from where I grew up in Georgia and I go all the way to California and I stop in every state and I tell a story wow. and there's poetry and art and Honestly, the biggest thing that I hope people take away from it is going through their phone's camera roll, <laughs> which we've already talked about. Yes. And that is that that is what I hope people do. I hope they say, wait a second, let me go back and see in my own life. Like, let me look at the actual and not even just like the the metaphorical miles that you travel, like the literal miles you travel. Like, yeah, how many miles have you traveled in this life? That is huge. Even if you've only ever lived, like only ever been in like a 20 mile radius of your house, you've still traveled a lot of miles. You've been a lot of places. You've been in a lot of rooms, a lot of conversations, so many moments. And in each of those moments, there's beauty, there's courage. And and not not in the sense that every moment is beautiful, but, you know, we don't have to find beauty in every moment of our story, but beauty in the sense that you were you were there, (laughs) you were there and you are beautiful and you made it through that, whatever it Mm. was. And you're still here. You're here to tell that story. I just think that that is one of the, the beautiful things about looking back is that 
It gives us the opportunity to see ourselves in a more compassionate way. And this may be things that we're, we just wrote off. Like there's two, there's two chapters in the book where I'm like, I can't believe I put these stories in the book. They're so embarrassing, (laughs) (laughs) but it's just like, Hey, I've got to learn how to, I've got it. I looked at these stories originally with so much judgment for myself, so much shame, so much embarrassment. And I'm like, I've got to learn how to have compassion for this part of my story. It's like, yes, it was messy. Like I wish things went differently, but at the same time, like I have this moment now to look back and be compassionate toward 17 year old Morgan and what she was dealing with then. Yeah. I, yeah, that's just what I, I hope people do. I hope it, it, it gives people courage to look back and reclaim those stories, reclaim those moments and, and find the hope and the courage and the beauty. And it gives re- it will give readers permission to go back and see those really dark moments. I mean, I'm thinking of in my own camera role, I'm like, wow, there's some dark times in there, but it gives people permission to to go back and see the compassion for themselves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We would love to hear a poem out of your new book. If you're okay to share that with us. Yes. Yes. So I have, I'm opening up to, I'm sorry. I thought I had it. I thought I had my bookmark in here. Yes. This is from the first section of the book in Georgia. When you look at the map and trace your finger over hundreds of routes, You will find no finish line. One path leads to another. Some dwindle to dead ends. Some orderly on grids and others twisting around the ridge. And together they create our family record. Our times, our places. A story of unrushed travelers pushing forward at their own paces. Oh, I'm already <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm already crying. <laughs> wow. Wow. I love that. And I, I love that when you look back, there is no finish line. Yeah. Like, mm. You yeah. sometimes you feel like um so there's oh. like a pause for <laughs> it is okay. There's sirens. LA County sirens <laughs> constantly. If it's not that, it's a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Um I love the the idea of there not being a finish line because I feel like Sometimes you feel like you're getting, you're trying to get somewhere, but you're, you're always going to be going somewhere. And so, like what you're saying is stopping. There is no finish line. Ever. There is no finish line. And also yeah. with, with fam, like you keep evolving even with your family and expanding, and like all of these stories and travels are connected. And yeah, wow. Oh, I can't wait for your book. I know. We're so, so excited. excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably gonna. All the pages are gonna have like the ink running from me just crying oh into my it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Oh, I, I can't wait for it to be out for you guys to have it as well. Thank oh, you. Oh, yeah. thank you. It was such uh so fun to talk to you and so such inspiring. A gift. Yeah, such a gift. And we look forward to your book. We're gonna link in in the show notes for anybody who wants to pick it up or pre-order it and uh hopefully we can connect again sometime in the future yes thank you all so much i really enjoyed this oh thank you have a great rest of your day you too thank you I'm still crying, Natalie. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm still she, crying. I mean, I know I said it was a gift, but like truly, I feel like that was a a gift. I know, and it's so funny because I've been going through like a particularly difficult time, and mm-hmm. like I feel it just like synchronicity. Like we got to talk to her, and she kind of like motivated me, and I feel yeah. a little bit. 
a little bit better. Yeah. Free therapy. (laughs) And we've been saying, you know, the two of us have been talking about how we are just in this kind of weird in between, this Uh weird transition. And like, we need somehow, like, we need some motivation and some like, I love that she kept saying that she looks back. She keeps looking back because in reality, I was thinking when she was talking about it, how there's so many times that I've looked back on the time, the hardest moments of my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, those moments put me here. And I kept going. And I kept going. And I overcame them. And it's mm-hmm. kind of also what we talked to Dr. Chopra about, like resiliency. Yeah. Like I've survived 100% of Every my worst single days. terrible day. And I love that she says not to look in the future because when I'm feeling down, I try to like, okay, I'm going to vision my best future but then your anxiety gets in the way and you start you're like, you're like oh, how am I gonna do that but you're also like oh shit that could go wrong yeah. oh, oh wait this is the worst case scenario yeah. where if you look back the, the history is set right and you, you you can see it clearly with a better perspective and you can also be motivated by it so anyways we love her. I'm so excited for her Incredible. new book, How Far You Have Come. We hope that you learned more about the importance of reframing the low moments in your life, how to embrace the unknown and rest in uncertainty, mm. and how you can cultivate optimism in the wake of disappointment. Because the other thing that I think we all need to remind ourselves is that life is not all strippers and burritos. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've never heard. Is that a... Is that a Bay Area thing? That is not a Bay Area thing. That's just like something I just said. But, you know, there's a lot of disappointment in life. Mm. It's not just all, ha- you know, yay all the time. And those those hard moments also make the bright, happy moments so much better. Yeah. So I, lo- I love it. I love that. And uh, I'm kind of loving also the, the Pinot that we're drinking. Can you remind pino. me what this is? This is the Han, H-A-H-N. Uh, SLH Pinot Noir. SLH is Santa Lucia or Lucia. We don't know. We still don't know. (laughs) Highlands Pinot. And um, let's intro our hottie of the week, who I'm very excited about because actually today's my hair anniversary. <gasps> yes, today's my one year hair anniversary. Where the if anybody natural does hair it, journey. Yes, I've if been, you've been listening along. Yes, I've been um, embracing my natural hair and my natural curls, and I haven't straightened my hair for a year today. And a lot of it is inspired by our hottie of the week today, who is Tracy Miss Ellis. Tracy Ellis Ross. Ross. Yes, I honestly think that when I get to heaven. She will be God. God, yeah, she looks like God. That yeah. God is Tracy Ellis Ross. Yeah, I would, I, I feel like that checks out fully. Yeah, fully checks out. So we're rating the Santa Lucia, Lucia. Who knows? Who knows? Pinot. I really like this Pinot. I really like it. I mean, I know that we love a Pinot, but like I truly am I'm a fan of this one. All right, give me your rating. Because I have one. Should we say it at the same time? I feel like we might not be f- fully aligned. Let's just say at the same okay, time. Okay, we're gonna just we're gonna see what happens. One, one two, two, three, nine. nine and a half. Oh, nine and a half. Okay, nine point two five then, right? Yeah, 9. I'm gonna 25. commit to a nine and a half with you. Let's let's just go for it. We honestly don't have that many nine and a nine and a half or above. We've had one perfect ten. I I I stand by this. I stand by a nine and a half. All right. Well, we'll link it in the show notes if you want to pick yourself up a bottle. Love it. All right. So this is the time of the show where we play a little wrap-up game. And this week we're playing Would You Rather. Would you ra- we haven't played it in a while. We have not played it in a while. I think it was our first game. 
Was it Who'd You or Would You? I think it was Would You. It was Would You? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it was our first game we ever played. Okay. Well, I have one that I'm interested in. Hit me with it. Okay. So, Natalie. And it's so simple, but it also got me thinking. And because we have anxiety disorders, mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm. I wonder. Hmm. Okay. I'm intrigued. Go on. Would you rather be free or be totally safe? Oh, so you're whoa. either free and unsafe, or you're more sheltered but you're safe. <sighs> whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a that's like a because I'm like, very esoteric. Yeah, me. I I I thought like, golly, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough because I crave security, and yet we're the same. Really, have to be free. I have to be free to survive, but I also need to be secure to survive. Sagittarius and Aquarius, yeah. this is a tough one this for us. This is a tough one for us specifically. I'm going to say, because I have done so much therapy in my life, I can find a sense of security in myself. Mm. I cannot be tied down. Okay. Must be free. You must be free. I must be free. And you know what? I think I would have gotten to that same conclusion. Yeah. I think my instinct is like, I want to be totally safe at all times. Yeah. But I think... I mean, think about quarantine, right? We've been totally safe in our house and it drives you fucking nuts. Yeah. And you're realizing, yeah, gotta be free. I gotta be free. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I stand by it. Although I do want, I want to be secure and safe. And you know what, Natalie, here's the thing. You can be, you can can. be both. This this is just a hypothetical game. game. (laughs) Okay. So my would you rather is, would you rather be able to go back in time and meet your ancestors or go forward in time and oh, meet no. your like great 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 grandkids. Oh god. Tough one, huh? You know what? It's tough because I would love to go in the future and give my advice and meet, you know, see who they are, what I'm, are they doing? Yeah, I'm very confident in my descendants and how they are going to turn out because yeah. I feel like I'm going to nurture my children. Yes, you will. But I especially right my my black side our um, family tree stops. Like yeah, we can't trace so many. to a certain point. Like my mom, my mom's side, which is the white side. Oh, she's gotten it down to the fucking bone. Sixteen hundred. Yeah. You know, you can go back there. It's all. It's all there. And so I think for me, it would be really exciting to meet my ancestors. That I don't. I can't tell you where they. No names. Nothing. nothing. I did. I did like the genetic testing, and I know what part of Africa they're from. But like. I don't know their names. There's no pictures. And honestly, my family tree stops at my grandmother's um, mother's mother. So my grandmother's grandmother. Great, great grandma. It stops. So my grandmother's grandmother, we don't know who she is. Interesting. Yeah. So you could go back to that. You could go back. Or we don't know her father. Anyways, there was a rape thing. Yeah. There's like a whole thing. There's a whole thing. So yeah, you could go back and you could meet them. You could meet her. I would love to. And I would just also, speaking of resiliency, speaking of your story and how everything's connected, like to know what they're going through that down the genetic line, I'm still processing. Yes. Oh, you know, we go, we talk about ancestral trauma all the time, but yeah. like, maybe we should do an episode about that at some point. So at some point also people are going to realize how, just how out there we are. Yeah. We've been really keeping it. We've been keeping a lid on it. We've been keeping a lid on it, but... <laughs> We are 
out there. Right. We're pretty out there. I mean, we live in Los Angeles. We're pretty Mm woo-woo. We're into that stuff. But I do also believe it is true, and I would love to be my ancestors. So that was a great question, Nat. Wow. Well, we've got our answers. We've got our answers. So if you guys have any topic suggestions, something you guys want us to cover, Mm -hmm. feel free to DM us at amidoingthisrightpod or email us at amidoingthisrightpod at gmail.com. Also, I didn't say this, but I'm going to link all of Morgan's social media handles, how you can connect with her yeah. and learn more about her in the show notes. If you want to know you more about Morgan, like go on her website and look at her art and you will be so inspired just by looking at it. You're so inspired. Yes. 10 out of 10 recommend. Yes. So you can just swipe up in the app if you want to interact with Morgan too as well. Cool. Oh, well, good. don't forget to rate and review, share with a friend and um, we love you guys. We love you. We will see you here. Next Next week. week. Same time. Same Same place. place. Love you guys. Bye. (laughs)